Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, you're hurt, you're tired, you're bleeding. I'll make you a promise. We get into that end zone, you're not going to feel any pain. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 178th episode of Hops and Box Office Slops, presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight, we continue our look at Flops, starring egregiously handsome leads with the greatest college football movie of all time, Necessary Roughness. I am the Thunderous Wizard, and along with me tonight for this inspirational underdog tale are the pod's personal flat top, Chumpzilla. If I wanted a big brother, I wouldn't have killed mine. And the man battling a severe case of angina, (laughs) Bling Blake. Indigestion only kills you in Mexico. Yeah, don't worry. Not fatal here. You should be fine. Ed, it's me, Wally Regendorf. <laughs> it's good to be back, guys. Thanks. <laughs> We're excited to have you back. And this is a great movie. And I'm uh, glad you reached out because Captain Cash doesn't understand sports ball and would not appreciate this film. That's a, Yeah, that's, that's tough for him. This is a tough crowd for sure. Uh, so points for you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. And you can find Wabam Entertainment on Twitter and Instagram at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T. Necessary Roughness is available to stream via one of my screen passes. Or if you're a weirdo who doesn't own it, I guess you can catch it on Stars. Uh, that and you can rent it for $2.99 or $3.99 across platforms. Uh, Chumpzilla, you chose the beer for tonight because uh, you recommended it and it's made with nuts, so I couldn't drink it. What are we drinking? Okay, for Necessary Roughness, which is a Texas-based football movie, I've gone with the Texas beer, Shiner's Holiday Cheer from Spetzel Brewery out of Shiner, Texas. Yeah, this is the Shiner bot, guys. Um, Holiday Cheer <clears throat> is a Dunkelweizen, which is a dark amber wheat beer, and this is a crisp semi-sweet wheat beer with strong notes of peach malts with hints of pecan and spices um it pours a dark amber with a thin off-white head and next to no lacing and i'll be honest i was surprised by the balanced flavors with this beer because in my experience a lot of the holiday seasonals can be very hit or miss some are super spicy some are really piney and just not that great you know they're kind of chewy one or two, that's all you can stomach. But this is a very drinkable holiday beer. Um, it checks in with a Captain Cash disappointing 5.4 ABV, but that's not an issue for me. I'm going to give Shiner Holiday Cheer a full three bad movie rating. And you can find it for 11 bucks or, you know, give or take uh, for a six or 12 ounce bottles or cans. And I think it's definitely worth checking out. Cheers, gentlemen. Okay. So, uh, Bling Blake, you also got the beer. What do you think of it? I did, and uh, I have to disagree. This is not well. 
I guess I'm on my second one now, so I can't be too critical. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, my initial uh, impression was that it was not what I was expecting from a holiday beer at all. Uh, it was super sweet and weird and tasted mm-hmm. like a peach Jolly Rancher on the back end. Yeah. Um, and uh, so my initial reaction was was one one movie, maybe. Yeah. Um, that said, as I'm getting into my second one here. Maybe, maybe one and a half. We'll see how far that goes. Yeah. I, you know what really shocked me was how strong the peach notes are. Because for a Christmassy beer, I didn't have that on my bingo card. If it had not said so on the label, I would have been blindsided by the peach notes. Interesting. It's very peachy. Yeah. Well, it sounds I, like I, I would hate it. So <laughs> I, I don't you know. I don't know. Because I'm usually the misanthrope that complains about anything with too complex of a you know flavor profile. But... This isn't that bad. It's, it's it's at least it's crisp and drinkable. Correction, you, you know, complain I, about everything, so it's not it's not just well, flavor profiles. It's everything. <laughs> fair, fair. Hard man to please. So let's get on to necessary roughness, which was directed by Stan Dragotti, uh, who also directed Mister Mom and The Man with One Red Shoe. This is his final directing credit. It stars Scott. Oh boy, Bacula as Paul Blake, Hector, last man standing. This time it actually is the Tim Allen show. Elizondo as coach Ed Gennaro. You've got Harley side out Jane Kozak as Dr. Suzanne Carter, Robert over the top Loja as coach Wally Rigendorf, Larry, 10 things I hate about you. Miller as Dean Elias, Sinbad, Tata turtle man as Andre Krim. And a host of others, including a young Jason Bateman, a spicy Kathy Ireland, a annoying Rob Schneider, E Honda, that's Peter Navy to Asasopo, uh, E Honda in the Street Fighter movie. You've got Latimer, uh, Andrew Bronyarski, Alvin Mack is in this as Featherstone, uh, his real name is Dwayne Davis, also Jim Kelly, Buffalo Bills great, Evander Holyfield, and Dick Butkus. What what more can you ask for out of a cast? It's literally the perfect movie. Jim Kelly has multiple lines. Let's get it on. Come on. Yeah, I I mean, uh, you're leaving out uh, Herschel Walker. You know, several people. There's there's actually a question about because there are so many more actual Uh, football players. I'll I'll stop right there. I just had to get that in there because that's, you know, uh, Senate hopeful. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker uh, playing the role God he help should, us. I guess, actually be playing in real life since he threatened to kill his wife. <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeesh. He still breathes with his mouth open. He just stands there. Oh, Herschel. So, released in September of 1991, Necessary Roughness grows $26.3 million on a budget of 13 and a half. So, not too bad, but critics did sack it. Sits at 33% on Rotten Tomatoes with 30 reviews and has a Metacritic of 45. You can all fuck right off because this movie rules. Now, one sentence descriptions. How would you describe this film in one sentence? We'll start with our guest, Blink Blake. All right, I had to do two. And uh, it started off with this one. I might be stealing somebody else's, so I'm sorry. Dr. Sam Beckett has to save a football team coming back from the death. Ooh, Kathy Ireland. And uh, my other one was uh, We Are the North Dallas Longest Yard. Okay. All right. I like it. Uh, Chumzilla. Okay. Sadly, mine's not too different from Mr. Bling's, but uh, 
Necessary Roughness is the last episode of Quantum Leap, where Sam Beckett tries to stop the Texas State University team from transferring to Eastern State University. Okay, yeah, because if you got there, it'd be bad news. They'd all uh, lie down on a highway and die. So, yeah, no good. Uh, So here's mine. It's the replacements program, as in its plot is a sequel to the program, and the replacements is a carbon copy of it. There's there's even a bar fight in this movie. A good one. A real bar that I've been to. Yeah. Ah, Nice. Where's that at? Billy Bob's is in is in Dallas. Uh, yeah, just, just hop on a bus. Nice. Right overnight. I'll, I'll, I'll get over there. Yeah, because I mean, this movie was all filmed in Texas, right? It was, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the one thing I love about this movie is the football scenes are really good. They're good to great, and they did get like lots of actual players. And uh, Flat Top, for example, played at UCLA with uh, Troy Aikman. And I'm I, kidding. I forget who he was going to be in the movie, but they're like, no, 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 you're. Like you're the perfect dick. You've got to be flat top. Yeah, nice. Hey, fun fact. Remember the uh, the old attorney that used to hang out at, at our bar in college, Buzz. Yes, I remember Buzz. Uh, he at one point in time dabbled in the uh, world of uh, sports representation, and he was a fledgling agent at some point, and he was courting Troy Aikman and tried to convince Troy to stay in school for another year, but uh, didn't huh. pan out. Well. Yeah. Well, she would have. Would have saved me mm-hmm. some heartache. Uh, the actual IMDb description of this movie is, due to NCAA sanctions, the Texas State University fighting armadillos must form a football team from their actual student body with no scholarships to help to play their football schedule. Now, when you hear that, you're like, oh, shit, it is a sequel to the program. But this was inspired by, uh, what is it? Uh, what's goddamn <laughs> School, SMU, SMU, yes. Thank you, Southern, Southern, you beat me to it. Yeah, yeah, Southern Methodist University. Yeah, which uh, there's a thirty for thirty. Did you know that, that Craig so. James killed five hookers in 1995? Did not know 85? that. Craig James killed Some five year. hookers in 1995. Uh, yeah. So this famous this SMU alum, uh, Craig James, and known hooker killer. Uh, precedence to it, but it also this was. When they pitch this, they're like, hey, let's do a college football movie, but we'll make sure the quarterback's old because we need somebody famous to play the quarterback. And that's that's why Scott Bag, that's why Paul Blake is a character. Because they thought they I could mean, sell the movie with a leading man. He's basically football Tom Berenger. Apparently, uh, I forget who else applied it, but the Jack's dad from Lost. That was a guy who was also up for the role. So Jack is uh, nothing to me. The dude from Party of Five, Matthew Fox's dad, who Matthew Fox's dad. Yeah, on the Lost. Lost. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. You have to look it up. I um in in my head, he's also Greg's dad from Dharma and Greg. I don't know if it's the same man or not, but that's who I picture when no, you say Matthew Fox's no, dad. But I know who you're talking about. He's the bad guy from uh, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's a better place to, to go from. So, huh, huh, huh. Alan Rickman? No, it's <laughs> he's no uh... Deadwood. Deadwood. He's Wild Bill Hickok. I think that's him. That actor. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. If you say so. All right. Whatever. Let's get into the plot of Necessary Roughness. So, on a remote Texas farm, a QB with a golden arm 
immaculately tosses footballs through the field. That QB, Paul Blake, was the best that never was until now. Texas State University mired in scandal has lost their varsity football program. Rife with corruption, the team was punished harshly by the NCAA. Thus, it's up to the man who handed out the discipline, Ed Straight Arrow Gennaro, to turn them around. He, along with longtime friend and assistant coach Wally Rigendorf, embark on the task, holding open tryouts. As they begin to round out the team, one key element is missing, the QB. Rigendorf, who once tried to lure Paul Blake to Penn State, coaxes him away from his family farm for one last shot at glory that he gave up years ago to save the family business. Dealing with an uptight dean, the team is reduced further to a ragtag group of players and forced to endure Iron Man football, as in, they have to play both ways. The dean even attempts to have them murdered by a group of inmates in a friendly scrimmage. As you can guess, shit goes poorly for Texas State. They suffer brutal defeat after brutal defeat before finding their footing, literally. Yes, they recruit a female kicker who guides the team to a tie against the Kansas Jayhawks. They then have to face the number one team in the country, the Texas Colts, the team they'd engaged in a rowdy bar fight with just, just weeks prior at Billy Bob's. Oh, hey, let me uh, ask a question here. At certain junctions in the movie, do they also refer to that team as the number one team in Texas? That too, yes. I, but I, they're I supposed to be the like, number one team first... in the country. Okay, okay, that's okay, because that tripped me up, because it'd been a minute since I'd seen this. No, there, there's some confusion here, and obviously there were schools that did not want to participate. Kansas, though, was like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah, Kansas didn't care at all. We need the uh, I, I thought that was funny how that some were real and some were not. Like you know, uh, they did play the the Southwest Tex, Texas State Bob, uh, Bobcats, where my wife went to college. Woo! There we go. Which became Texas State. Uh, but but then yeah, why was the why why were the Texas Colts the Texas Colts in LSU colors? My uh, guess is that when they found out that their team was going to be the bad guys, they're like, no, nah, we're good. Well, yeah, I mean, I would assume if they'd gone like to UT or Texas A&M or something like that, that those schools would have basically been like, oh, and we're going to lose? No, we will be in your movie if we win. I'm surprised, you know, Kansas, you know, KU would, would allow a tie. Well, but Kansas is they, not notoriously a football powerhouse. So. No, they didn't no. care at all. They're like, how much is the check? For football? Yeah, that's better than we get for our games. That's, that's fantastic. Exactly. I'm assuming the numbers were right, right? And now. that was mm-hmm. the character that uh, Flat Top was going to play was the guy that she says, welcome to footballs and kicks him in the in the dick. But they're like, no, no. That's the scene of the whole movie. Yeah. You, you look like a real jerk. You've got to be Flat Top. You know, the one thing I... I they obviously had to get money from somewhere. And I think you did miss one key cast member... Uh, that you did not point out, and that is the bud dry signs in the background of every single scene. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but it became my oh, where's, yeah. my Where's Waldo. Um, mostly because I love bud dry. I can't find that anymore. If you're yes, drinking bud dry, serious product placement. You're you're going hard. Why ask why? Try bud dry. That, so that makes me wonder what was the beer product placement in the program. Uh, I forget. Was it, but was it MGD? Bite House. 
I want to say it was MGD. Or something All I like remember that. is when he has the six pack of Sprite. Mm. And Christy Swanson's like, Kane no, I'm going to need uh, I'm going to need a bottle of liquor before I storm the Capitol because she's a Looney Tune now. So, oh, oh no. Anyway, despite long odds, the Fighting Armadillos erase a 21 to nothing halftime lead to beat the pricks from Texas. It is glorious. Now, two things: the Philly special was stolen from this movie. And in my head canon, Paul Blake went on to go undefeated for the rest of his college career, winning the Heisman as the oldest quarterback ever to do so. Fuck you, Chris Wanky. And then he was drafted to the Buffalo Bills. So he's Doug Flutie. Essentially. <laughs> no, Not wait. Kurt Warner? Yeah, he could be Kurt Warner. He's he's Doug Flutie minus the dick pills with Frank Thomas. <laughs> Hey, I know we're not talking about other movies tonight, but that one's awful. The, I, the Kurt Warner biopic with the uh, with Shazam or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Levi, terrible. whatever. Yeah, I uh, I watched Chuck. that on a plane, and uh, whew, I mean, it's a movie. It, I still wait, cried. It, I want to be clear about that. It didn't inspire I, you at all. Neither. Well, uh, you know what? The most interesting part of that movie was. Uh, Dennis Quaid showing up as uh, Dick Vermeil. That's fantastic. Great I thought that was interesting I, casting. That was the only part of the movie that worked for I, me. I, I did enjoy having Levi Garrett. And uh, is that his name? Same as Zachary Levi. Uh, Zachary I Levi, would, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, Dennis Quaid. They, they actually, those scenes work. Those guys had a here's, little bit of chemistry. Here's what I, I enjoyed say. that part of the movie. Dick Vermeil should have been legacy casted from the Invincible movie. And it should have been Greg Kinnear. Just carry it through. He's oh. older now. He's world weary. Yep. No, that would have worked. You know, <laughs> bring worked. It. I buy it. At yep, what no. point? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm did, sorry. That's my fault. That's my fault. We off the tangent. Did Zachary Levi look at his wife and say, "Sucky"? <laughs> it's a little true blood joke. Don't look so confused. <laughs> I, I was just trying to think. Like, who's his wife in that movie? And they yeah. give her the awful haircut by the end too. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been it's to rogue. Iowa? It's full of. It's like. Still full of awful haircuts. Mm-hmm. It's bad haircuts, Tate. In fact, <laughs> so and I live. We live in Ohio and Georgia, respectively. <laughs> yeah. So necessary roughness. How many beers are required? All kicks off. This is a zero beer movie. I love this movie. I saw this movie in theaters with my dad way back when. I've probably seen it forty or fifty times. I love Scott Bakula, as our Twitter followers very well know. Scott Biakula is my guy. Zero beers, but you could have three fun enjoyment beers. This movie's great. Bling Blake, what do you think? I'm I'm with you all day. That's right. Uh, it, I I did have it with no beers this time. Uh, I was recovering from a little of uh, a little, little physical ailment, but uh, so no beers for me this time. Beers tonight uh, while we're talking about it, but three enjoyment beers all day long. Like you, this was in my my heavy rotation uh, as a kid. It was on the the VHS set. So, um, yeah, I love this movie. I've seen it a bunch. Probably hadn't watched it in, in almost 10 years. So it was great to come back and, and revisit it. Uh, you can rent it for $2.99 to $3.99 across most platforms. But I did purchase it uh, as an homage uh, to you, T-Dubs, because I know how much you like to buy movies just because you don't have it in that format yet. Um, so I went and did it. And uh, I'm happier for it. Well done. So the funny thing is, I, I don't think I'd watch this in a while either. And then I knew that we were going to do it for the pod. And I had it on my voodoo. And I literally sat 
in the Chicago airport at 5 a.m. watching this on my layover red eye to Buffalo, just giggling. Texting about it, too. Yeah, just sending pictures of my favorite scenes. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) At at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not up thinking about necessary roughness at 5 a.m., Chumzilla, that's your problem. I, well, no, and you shared it with me for sure. Yeah. Scott Bakula can fill out a pair of Levi's. Oh, oh my, my goodness. He you is know, kind of dreamy. Forget Oof. Brett Favre. They should have fired him years ago because I can tell you Bakula is comfortable in Wranglers. I'm no. telling you, I, I think why I like this movie so much, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Chumzilla, um, is that honestly, like, Bakula being the epitome of of handsomeness in 1991 was very like achievable to me in terms of physique. Like it wasn't Schwarzenegger with like giant muscles. And I was like, I could be, I could be as handsome as Scott Bakula one day. Yeah. Fact is I'm, I'm well past 34 and I, I was never as handsome as Scott Bakula, even on my best days. I'm sorry. We don't feel bad. Most of us aren't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you think they tried to get Kevin Costner first? No, I think he was probably out of their price range. I remember there was somebody else, and I just can't remember who it was right now. But I, it was I just also can't really. Was, they were more famous than Bacula. Yeah, well, I mean, Bacula is, you know, I mean, it's a name. But I was trying to like place this in Costner's career at this point, like between all the sports movies he'd done in the late eighties and early nineties, between Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, later on Tin Cup. I feel like this seemed like a role that would that you know they would have pitched like, hey, we'll get Kevin Costner for it. As the well, I'll tell you this when he is the quarterback <clears throat> auditioned, he literally had to go out to the parking lot of Paramount and throw for like hours so they could see if he could actually throw because they wanted the scenes to be realistic. And then he ended up doing all his own stunts. So I think by this point in time, Costner's probably too famous. Like, yeah, isn't this like after Robin Hood Prince of Thieves where he's like what you'd be considered the biggest leading man in Hollywood, the bodyguard, the bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna so, say, this, is, this is probably like, a, you know, when, when did that come out? Yeah, does it, like 91. Oh. I think they were both before this, but anyways, how many beers Chumzilla? Oh, uh, I don't have the nostalgia love for this movie. I mean, I had seen it on television multiple times in the past, but I can't honestly say I ever sat down and watched it all the way through, but I definitely caught parts of it and probably saw the whole movie that way. Um, so yeah, not a huge like part of my childhood or not my, my regular rotation as a sports movie. So that being said, I'll give it three fun beers. It's still a fun movie, but I, I can't really, again, place it as a contemporary sports film, but to me, it felt very like reductive of like other sports movies, not just even football, but just it felt like a composite. Like there's stuff from Major League. There's well, stuff that's hold, hold, from the Longest stop, Yard. Stop blah, right blah, there. Blah, blah. Uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, and that's why ma- I just it's it's yeah. funny that you made mention Major League because if you look at the poster, it was purposely designed to evoke the Major League poster, and they same are the studio, right? They are the same poster. <laughs> Yeah, but it's the same just studio, with a football versus a baseball. So, which which I think is funny too, because we've already talked about the program, which came later. But the guy that directed Major League directed the program. Honestly, it's like you watch this and you're like, "Huh, it's surprising he didn't do this one instead uh, of." Right. Uh, yeah, because this is definitely more the same tone of Major League versus the darker Any Given Sunday tone of. 
the program, which of the two movies, I'm a program guy. That was my college football movie from the early 90s. Also good football scenes, which is which is key when making a football movie. Yeah, a little cartoony, but still, I mean, it's all hey, it's all practical. There's no CGI, no wire work. Yeah, so it's got to feel believable. Yeah, so let's take our first break, uh, and when we do, we're going to hear from our brothers in beer over at Hot Nation USA. And when we come back, we've got some lingering questions about the glorious necessary roughness. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hot Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 178th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking Necessary Roughness, the Scott Bakula classic from 1993, and we have some lingering questions. And these are all, in my opinion, very, very important questions. Number one being, is Paul Blake the greatest fictional quarterback of all time? Bling Blake, what do you think? Before we get into this very, very in-depth question... Man, it's such a hard question. Um, no, no. Uh, Wally Wally Rigendorf is obviously has a keen eye for talent. He knows that he can pick up a guy who's been on the shelf for what's the math on that now? Uh, sixteen years. Sixteen years. Sixteen years. He's been on the shelf. He knows that just out of nowhere, he can drive to this dude's farm, which is a fantastic place to to, to live, and. And just get him and he'll be he'll be competitive. Well, as much as one and eight is competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh so no, no, I do not think that Paul Blake is the greatest fictional quarterback of all time. Now, do you want to just start there and then we'll get into alternatives? Or oh, I mean, I mean handle this team. I'm certainly I, no, I'm, willing to hear out who do you think who would you pick as the greatest? No, I'm gonna be very clear here. There's only two acceptable answers to this. Mr. Bling, too. Because I agree with you. It is not Scott Bakula, but there are two people I would accept. As much as I can look you in the eye, because we're doing this over a Zoom call, I feel like I'm looking into your eyes right now, and I want you to hear me when I say this. Shane Falco. Partial credit. I I was thinking more Johnny Utah, but still Keanu. I mean, he was right up there. It was hard. Ohio State. uh, Right. It's tough, but also, you know, then I started thinking about it. Like, I mean, where do you rank Michael Vick in like real quarterbacks all time? Mm. Uh, I mean, he's top 20. Maybe. And see, that's kind of where I put. That's that's probably just because that's just because I'm a younger guy. I'm probably discounting some older folks, but his, his ceiling was so high. And the fact that he came back after prison and was still good for three years just goes to show you that he would have been. If he'd had a full career, he would have been scratching the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'd ever would have, he might never have won a Super Bowl, but his numbers would have been significant. And that's where I put Steeman Willie Beeman. Oh, um, man. <laughs> the potential of that young man uh, with, you know, with his coach, uh, I, I think it would have been fantastic. Well, you know, they would have had, they would have a great relationship. That could have been a whole, 
like if Brady or if uh, Belichick had had Michael Vick, like what could that have been? Who knows? Who knows? No, I, I think what you're really saying is, you know, what if Aaron Brooks had gotten a fair shake? That's because in my opinion, Aaron Brooks was steaming Willie Beeman. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's and I think he's Michael Vick's cousin. But anyway. Anyway. Um, okay, so I would have accepted Johnny Utah, but and my pick, which is Joe Kane. I'm sorry, but I'm Joe Kane all the way. Kane is able. I'm going with the guy from the program. Okay. So so that's your guy. So here's my yep. theorizing on this. Kane is not able to hold his alcohol. Guess who can? Paul Blake. Kerry Collins. Paul Blake can oh. go woo his teacher while having a, a Miller Lite, which also there's big points in sleeping with your journalism 101 teacher. Uh, but, you know, if you're 34, is it the same thing? Okay. They're more, Just they're now, more now hear me out. Hear me out. Paul okay. Blake got drunk before the big game and quit the team. Come on. That's true. Paul Blake was on the shelf for 16 years. And he's still just throwing 70 yard bombs to Featherstone. If Featherstone can catch, Paul Blake might throw for 75 touchdowns that season. Mm. And that's it's that's like a low over under for Paul. I appreciate that they put Alvin Mack out there as a wide receiver. Uh, that's a sc- big wide receiver. Scrambling like David ability. Boston out there. <laughs> think about think about when he gets skirty in the in the rain game. Not a lot of guys doing that. Now, here's my counterpoint for, for Willie Beeman, right? Hey, it's fine, but the team would prefer to play the old guy over him. The old guy with a bum back. Joe Kane, too many, too many problems. Is that is that Dennis Quaid? It is Dennis Quaid. Cap Rooney. <laughs> Cap Rooney, baby. Coach Tomato's yeah. willing to put his body, put his life on the line for him. I mean, you've, you've got you've got Paul Paul Krug from the longest yard, but he's a felon, right? So his career kind of yeah. goes down the tubes. You've got a ceiling there. You only play one game a year. Yeah. But here's yeah. my pick. Jimmy Dix, the lo- the last Boy Scout. Jimmy Dix kicked out of the league for gambling. Mm. Stops a terrorist attack by throwing a football so well, it intercepts a sniper's bullet. Now, uh, I, do okay. I believe yeah, that's a little that outside the box, but I like that. Sure, I believe Paul Blake could do it. But I'm not guaranteeing it. Also... I would throw Moxon in there. Oh. Guy just wants to go to Brown. When he's called to action, he's better. Little Vanderbeek action. Yeah, little Vanderbeek. So there's a lot of options. Paul Blake is in my top three for sure, quarterbacks of all time. Plus he trained with Jim Kelly. The guy guy was shelled for 16 years and lost seven games. It's a big deal. I I mean, the record, not great. But in my head canon, right? He's sort of like the art, the the archer. There's no man. way he played his sophomore year. Did you see those hits he took over and did, over and over again? Did all his own stunts. I mean, it's tough. But I'm telling you, I think he's the best. Mm-hmm. One of the best. Top three. Right. Jimmy Dix, gambling problem aside. I mean, no guys can launch a ball to intercept a sniper's bullet as well as him. That's just an unfathomable throw. Also, when the offensive lineman's talking shit about him in the hot tub, breaks his nose. Perfect throw. Perfect. What about that two-point conversion, though, from Paul Blake? Right on the numbers, right where it needed to be. Nearly kills the guy. We didn't even bring bring up Junior from Little Giants. 
dude there was so much we didn't talk about in <laughs> in the plot like i hope we can come back to it in some of these questions uh because there's this there's a lot of fantasticness that happened in there so question number two harley jane kozak uh who chumzilla recommended uh arachnophobia a few weeks back she's in that as well she was kind of slaying the early 90s late 80s she dates both paul blake huge score in my opinion and zach barnes two of the greatest fictional athletes of all time which one if you were her even though she's a different character would you marry Mm. Mm, indeed i think zach's a little bit a little bit like more dangerous some girls find that attractive the danger aspect normally i would give him the clear advantage because of the the lettuce factor i mean he's got some better salad going on but bacula's got like the mini mel gibson like quaffed mullet thing sort of going on there that uh he's got bacula it's yeah he's got yeah i mean so i can't really give the hair things kind of a push for me so Um, yeah this is all day all day it's paul blake he's got a ranch that see and that's what i come back to is i love zach barnes i think zach barnes is good for uh impromptu weekend getaway to tahiti but he's not the guy you marry he's yeah, just unreliable yeah. not a stable yeah you can't, i think yeah. you're right that's that's a fair point paul you blake's know? husband material from day one one day you wake up and zach barnes has sold your car because he's in debt it's not great can't do it not happening nope paul blake put a ring on him now, could I envision myself marrying Zach Barnes in Vegas and then getting in an old? We have like a weekend of fun and frivolity, sure. But then it's over. You know, a little Jose Cuervo. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm married. I mean, hey, I, I can see how you Vegas? Be, right? I mean, I, I can see how you'd be talked into it, T-Dubs. I mean, he, he's a persuasive guy. Oh, of course. Have there been like six movies made about this exact scenario? At least Ashton Kutcher's in Ashton Kutcher's in four of them, I think. Was that the <laughs> same right. movie? Does, yeah. The same movie that just felt like I watched it four times because it was so awful. Might be, might be. Uh, question three. Now this is important because Chumpsilla, you said that the program is your movie. Who is the better coach? Is it Ed Straight Arrow Gennaro, or rest in peace Sam Winners from the program? Honestly. You know, this comes down to me is how bad do you want to win. Because if you really want to win, Sam Winters is your guy. I don't and, know. Uh, I don't know. I, I I mean, I appreciate that uh, Gennaro is a bit more principled, but I think as far as winning football games, anything, you know, short of actual murder, I think Sam Winters is going to try to keep the best team on the field. Um, and, and I appreciate his – cutthroat mentality so i think that's that's what i'm going with it's an ugly business but i'm going with a guy that'll make the tough decisions or not to make win the games. tough decisions you no, know make the tough kept, decisions to win games you know he kept bobby collins on the team and brought him back he did he, yeah. did. he did and he ignored the fact that uh the latimer had turned into a science experiment yeah but that's true he was winning games nobody cares when you're winning they don't they don't care when you're winning i mean but they were a disappointing team right like you know they they get in they make a bowl game, whereas it, TSU beats the number one team in the country. Which if you're going to go to some token bowl like the Sega Dreamcast Bowl and 
whatever, and you get yourself like a sponsored satchel or some bullshit. What does that matter? If you beat the number one team with 17 dudes on your roster, that to me screams In Texas. better coach. Yeah. Does. Fair enough. I have some thoughts on this. Okay. First of all, did Gennaro even win that game? Wally was in charge That's a good in the point. final game. He Wally so, had the big whistle. So, he had the playbook. Mm-hmm. But I think it I think it really depends on your definition of better coach, right? Like so uh to to Chumpzilla's point, like if better coach is like we're going to get rings at all costs and make sure we we make that happen, then it's obviously Sam winners. But if your idea of better coach is like we try to make complete men like Ted Lasso, who many would argue is the greatest coach in modern history, and we'll come back to that in my recommendations. Um, then, then I think it's straight arrow. He's he's about making men, not necessarily making a championship team. That's just a byproduct of what of what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know what? He never once really gets harsh with anybody. He's very even keel. Even when Scott Bakula tells him what he can do with his effing rules. He stays the course. I dropped the F-bomb on my six-year-old tonight. Like, you know, oh, I anything could, can happen. I could never do it. I'm much more Wally Rigendorf than I am straight arrow Gennaro. <laughs> yeah, I'll scream in your face. I'm terrible. I'm a bad, I'm a bad coach. Ask all the guys that played for me at the University of Idaho. I am I am <laughs> I coach by bullying. <laughs> Shout out to my University of Idaho, by the way. You guys stay strong. Vandal Pride. It's just tough love, you know, tough love. Sometimes wind, wind sprints are character building. Uh, or in so, the case of this movie, questioning, you know, people's attire choices and saying, you know, that they're, you know, maybe maybe cross-dressing, wearing a dress, hurting their feelings that way. Because the yeah. 90s was really mean. These coaches said some, these people said some mean things to each other. That's true. That's true. Uh, so I had a question about the replacements, which just stole the plot to this movie. But I know you and I will probably agree, Blink Blake. Do you do you prefer this to the replacements? I mean, it's the replacements is also a lot of fun. I do not. I prefer the replacements. Oh, okay. Well, I rep- I prefer this based because I have more nostalgia for it. Chumpsill, which do you prefer? Full disclosure, I don't think I've watched the replacements all the way through either, but I've caught different parts of it. I have to admit, I've always found Gene Hackman's performance in that, that movie to be somewhat lackluster. So I'm going to give it to Necessary Roughness just because I could never get into it. Gene Hackman just ugh, pushed me away. Wow, that's surprising. We don't suffer uh, Gene Hackman slander on this podcast. No, I just, I just don't think he was really into that role, and like he just, he felt like Dime Store Lex Luthor to me in that, in that role. I, I don't agree. I think the replacements is also very good. I just think uh, it definitely cribs this movie a little too hard. I mean, both these movies, I think, you know, steal a little bit from The Longest Yard, too. Right? Because it's a misfit football team movie. And to take away the prison aspect True. of it. Yeah. Well, the they're, prison they're, team they're mis- is like all, nod to The Longest Yard in this movie. They're like, oh, here's this team. Yeah, but it's, it's all the bad news people. bears. True. It's all the bad news bears. Like it's so there's a lot of like like reused. I mean, these these sports comedy uh and even sports drama tropes, like they carry through all the sports movies that we can talk about in the years to come after. Like everything takes from everything. Yeah. But 
And I don't know that Replacements is a better movie. I think that just when I came to it, A, I'm a huge Keanu fan all day, every day. Love Keanu. Um, I think maybe because it had so many of those familiar aspects from uh, from this movie, from, um, why am I liking the name of the talking about right now? Necessary Roughness. Because, uh, oh man, this beer is pretty good. I, it was familiar to me, and I think that's part of why I loved it so much. Sorry, yeah. that's a terribly long answer. Well, you know, and we've already mentioned a bunch of other football movies that that came after this one that have similar elements. Let's not forget the Rob Schneider connection, also the Water Boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's some aspects again of that misfit football team thing that just feels a, very that, familiar. That movie is a lot different than this. I mean, the Little Giants obviously steals liberally from this as well like the football thing became very difficult because it almost always revolved around the good quarterback and the misfits around him the guy who couldn't catch the guy who couldn't this guy who couldn't that and there's very little that they could do with it and the wide receiver who couldn't catch is like the trope that was like done to death after this they even have the same scene of the little giants where the ball gets stuck in the kid's helmet it's the exact same scene It's the exact same scene. Now, speaking of scenes, uh, what is your favorite scene of the movie? I think for me, it's got to be the the bar fight at Billy Bob's. Uh, One, because I've been in Billy Bob's in Dallas, Texas. It's a fantastic bar. Uh, But two, just because, man, I love a good bar fight scene. It's great in the replacements, and it's great in here. You get the... The quips between the quarterback and the the D lineman behind the bar. Uh, there's the the gung ho guy that gets knocked out and then like looks up at somebody and then passes back out. It's just fantastic. I love it. I love the Paul Giamatti's uh, brother. That guy. That's right. Yeah. No kidding. Hey, you also get uh, Latimer breaking a wagon wheel over a guy's head. I mean, after bull riding, um, I love that scene because when the dean shows up and he's like. I forget what he says. And he's like, and what do you mean? There ain't no brawl. <laughs> like he comes to bust them. And they're all playing pool. First of all, you mean there isn't any brawl. <laughs> Second of all, what do you mean there ain't no brawl? Larry Miller's fantastic. I, lo- I love him. He's probably played the same character in every movie he's ever been in, but he just <sighs> plays the neurotic dude so well. I love him. Always he's love great. Him. I mean, he literally is. He's the same character in 10 Things I Hate About You, but it's great. All right, Chumpsilla, your favorite scene. Uh, with the bar fight off the table, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think a scene where Bacula really shines. Help me out here, T-Dubs. Well, my and favorite I- scene, personally, is the bar fight is obviously when he, I thought we were going to party, but uh, <laughs> right? when he and Jason <laughs> Bateman are leaving and Jason Bateman basically like tells him he's flunking and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, how, how do I wind up with Jiminy Cricket? And he turns the car around and then the music kicks in and then you get the great montage and he officially becomes the leader of Texas State. That's my yeah. favorite. Well, I just have a question. What the fuck was Jason Bateman's character other than that moment? Like, what else was that guy there for? Because he has a name. That's a, he's, he, he, he's an actor. He'd been in stuff. He was on TV. Well, you know, he's he still he, he is young at the time. Yeah. And he does, I mean, he has a big role. I mean, everybody I think that's a part of the team 
is given pretty distinct personalities. And I know like the, the guys who made the movie were like, we wanted to make this like a rainbow movie and have it very representative. And unfortunately we couldn't get away with like, they, the, I guess the studio was like, no, we don't want a Japanese guy. Cause um, they saved that for major league too. I can... Yeah. Like, like uh, you know, what's his name was going to be. They still had the karate guy though. Yeah. yeah. He was going to be like an, like played by an Asian actor in the studio wasn't having it. So. Well, you know, I think that's it's it's funny when you say that because that's a very '90s sensibilities rainbow movie. Hey, let's have a bunch of racial stereotypes. <laughs> like, can we get a Mexican guy well, in a sombrero? Like, I don't. It was think... also like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> it it was also like like well, we don't want to be offensive, so let's not use a Japanese guy as the ninja. Let's have a white guy do it. Like, that's less offensive. Well, I don't think man who man is very slender nice. is a stereotype. Like, I think that's like that's good representation. Like he absolutely, yeah. I love Malumana. And when um, he when he tried out for the movie, he had no idea that it was such a big role, mm. and or that he'd be speaking and had never acted at all. So yeah, and he's related to the NFL playing uh, Tuliasa Sopos as well. Oh, and cool! I, th- I think he's a cousin of like Marquise, who was the quarterback, and then. I think I think he had a brother that was a defensive end, but yes, the the NFL Tuiasa Sopos that they, they are blood relatives. Well, for example, like Bjarnyarski is not uh, from Texas, Wyatt, <laughs> and he is just doing a terrible accent the entire movie. Wells yeah, Fargo coming through. Yeah, the less they ask him to do in that accent, the better. <laughs> So I think that would be actually one of my my minor complaints about this movie is that they take the time to introduce so many characters and kind of give them something to do for a second. And then they're kind of in the background for the rest of the movie. So like yeah. there were definitely times when I was going through it where I was like, wait, is that is that Edison or the other guy, the the guy with all the heart, the heart of a lion, but the legs yeah. of a chicken? Um, like and, like Bateman and him were like interchangeable same at certain thing. points. Yeah. Like, who caught the ball at the end? It was the guy with the heart of the lion. But like, and of course it's a football movie, so they're wearing the face mask. So you really can't tell who anybody is anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was only it's one of my my one little bugaboos that I that I had over the movie was, was that. I'm well, right there with you, and yeah. I guess that's my complaint about the scene that T Dubs just described because all of a sudden that Bateman character becomes Edison, whatever, becomes Jiminy Cricket. And I'm like, I, I, wait a minute, which one was he again? <laughs> it feels like all of a sudden he turns into Scott Bakula's best buddy. And I'm like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Okay, I'm I'm amending it. The best scene is you're hurt, you're tired, you're bleeding, but I'll make you a promise. Uh, that's, that's good sports movie. We get in that end zone. Here. You're not going to feel any pain. Mm-hmm. And then he throws the two point conversion to Charlie Banks. The guy with the I still think the Keanu's is better, man. Uh, what is that, it? Uh, uh, pain heels, pain heels, chick stick scars, scars, glory, glory lasts forever. forever. <laughs> is that any better than let's put the women and children to bed and go out looking for dinner? <laughs> They're both better than that, yes. I don't know, unpopular opinion, maybe, but I think they yeah. no, no, you're probably right. So, we're gonna take our second break. We're going to hear from our uh, Wobam Entertainment brethren over the Double Turn podcast. And when we come back, we've got the Iron Man football trivia challenge. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to our Necessary Roughness episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, and we are on to the Iron Man Football Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, we have a standard five-question, multiple-choice format quiz to chime in, either stick with one of our stalwarts or say, shit down their necks, which is also one of my favorite scenes <laughs> is the halftime speech. You gotta play football like an engineer played football, like a goddamn rampaging beast. <laughs> This tie's not working for me. I'm going to tear up all my clothes right now. Let's talk about what's working for us. Not a goddamn thing's been working for us. Robert Loja. And I'm so disappointed we haven't been doing that for the entirety of this podcast. He uh, is such a treasure. Fuck you, quiz. Let's talk about Robert Loja for an hour, please. Yeah, that, that, that's what we're missing without Captain Cash. She'd be doing the Robert Loja voice. The entire time if he was here. He, he would be. And I don't have an envy gravelly tonight, guys. I'm sorry. As a tribute to Robert Loja, you can also say Push It to the Limits, which is the song from Scarface. <laughs> or you can say Welcome to Footballs. No, I'm sorry. That's the song from Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, yeah. With, yes. The game that just is a <laughs> ripoff of Scarface. <laughs> yes. I think we talked about how hot Kathy Ireland is. God. Uh, apparently she was super cool too and she literally took this very seriously as most of the actors did and practiced kicking a lot I don't. I wouldn't say she was great at it but they were all very complimentary of her great sense of humor and ability to like fit in with an all male for the most part cast uh, and they as I think Bern Yarsky was like she's not like a model at all she's not stuck up at all which maybe that's stereotyping models but I think they were all not, they didn't know what to expect. Well, I think her fall collection at Walmart is just stellar. Or is she at Kmart? Yep. I don't know. She's one of them. She's somewhere. It's Shopco. Yeah. I'm, sure my mother, I'm sure my mother buys some of them. So, gentlemen, the winner of this trivia challenge gets a signed Paul Blake football with blood from the final game still encrusted on it. Also, you know why that last scene is the best? And I didn't mention it. When Manu Manu, the slender, looks at him, he said, Mr. Blake, he'll never touch you. And they, you know, do the, they grab, you know, the, the firm, like, Dylan, you son of a bitch. And then he blows flat top up. And he's just like bleeding from the mouth. Like, he's probably dead. <laughs> he busts his face mask yeah. off of him, man. That was it's... such a weird little like little stinger effect there. And he's bleeding from the mouth. Apparently they did that a ton. And the guy who played Flat Top, and I forget his name, was just like, he's like, I don't know if they were trying to kill me, but we did, <laughs> did like 15 takes of that. I got to tell you, man, too, watching this gave me like flashbacks to peewee football with those big, thick, plastic face mask you could barely i got played offensive lines you could barely see out of it i'd always have my glasses on underneath my helmet it was terrible that was terrible 
I, I just I noticed that too when some of those close-up shots, some of the guys have the giant like massive plastic face mask. Other guys have the steel bars coated with the you know plastic rubberized coating. I'm like those poor fuckers in those cheese grater face masks. The heck can they even see out of those things? Oh, they were awful. They were so awful. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. You'd think from a production standpoint, somebody'd be like, "Hey, we can't see these guys' faces." Get the smaller face masks on these guys. Like, like they make them. Like they like, were they were yeah, they were they, out at the same time. No, well, no, some of the guys have them. Some of the guys don't. Like, why don't they all have the thinner, you know, face mask so we can see their faces at least in the close-up shot? It, it has to be wear... for consistency's sake. Because if they did well, that, I'll... and then when they're doing the actual football and the face mask, because these guys are getting blown the fuck up. I, I get. I guess. But my point is, there's, there's some big hits. I don't think there's a safety factor between the two styles. I just thought it was strange. They they definitely had the two different styles on screen at the same time to the detriment of some of the actors. Anyway. Okay. So let's start the quiz. Oh. Number one, several former football players, which we mentioned, appear during the scrimmage with the prison team. Which of these was not one of them? Is it A, Herschel Walker? Unfortunately, we know he's in it. B, Earl Campbell. <laughs> C, Tony Dorsett, or D, Eric Dickerson? Farts and Tarts. She's on the next. Uh, Chumzilla. Earl Campbell, B. Incorrect. What? Oh. I knew Earl Campbell was there. Yep. Oh, I thought Earl it was. Campbell She's on their next. in this movie. Uh, Bling Blake. Uh, I'm going to go with D. It is Eric Dickerson. He is not in this oh. movie. Uh, but Jerry Rice did appear. Roger yep. Craig, Ed Too Tall Jones, Randy White, they were all in it, along yep. with those aforementioned names. My favorite part about the uh Evander Holyfield is he goes, I don't feel so good. I think I swallowed a finger. I think I swallowed a finger, and then later on somebody bit his ear off. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is, by the way, that's like IMDB's idea of trivia about this movie. They're like Evander <laughs> Holyfield says somebody swallowed a finger. Years later, his ear was bitten off. Like, I didn't even I read that. That's trivia, that. but that's uh, So it is one nothing for Ben Blake. Number two, Ben Davidson, also an ex-football player, appears as one of the convicts. He has several acting credits to his name, including this Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Is it A, Conan the Barbarian? Is it B, Conan the Destroyer? Is it C, Red Heat? Or is it D, Raw Deal? He's, he's a big tall dude uh that he is yeah uh chumpy i got one so i'll fall on the grenade first i suppose uh, okay knock yourself out all, all right. right welcome to foot balls. all right bling blake what do you got i'm gonna go with uh the second conan one you said it is not conan the destroyer Okay, well, you got three left, buddy. Fumbalaya, Fumble Ruski, Fumble Rob Schneider's estate. Fumbalaya Wilkerson. Uh, okay, Trumpzilla. Uh, was was he an A, the original Conan? Yes, he's Rexor. Mm. He's the... Yeah, uh, the big white-haired dude. He's the main guard to uh, yeah. Tulsa Doom. Yeah. Damn it! Yeah. Right church, wrong pew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number three, Dwayne Davis which I posted to uh, Twitter when we did the program. He's the son of NFL Hall of Famer Willie Davis, and his son was actually just drafted by the Vikings, has a decent acting career. Mm -hmm. One littered, as you may figure, with sports movies. Which of these was not one of them? 
Was it A, Tyson, the 1995 HBO movie? Was it B, The Great White Hype? Was it C, Any Given Sunday? Or was it D, Little Big League? Shit down their necks. Mm. Bling Blake. I'm going to go with Any Given Sunday? He is not in Any Given Sunday. Dang, I was going to go with Great White Hype. He is. A, he's a guard in the Great White Hype. Like he's a security guard. Uh, Little uh, Big League. He plays an aging uh, DH. And Tyson, I I don't know what he was in that, but he is. Oh, uh, maybe he was Trevor Burbick, but I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But he's in Tyson. Huh. So we that's are two... only because I really love Any Given Sunday, and yeah. not because I've seen all four of those movies. Now Latimer isn't Any Given Sunday. Yep. Yeah. He's playing himself, I think. It's a crazy offensive lineman that throws the alligator into the yeah, plays the alligator in. I think he also yells, that's how a white man plays guitar at one point in the film, which is... It sounds exactly like thing, it's just him. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I remember from that movie is Lawrence Taylor cutting a Hummer in half with a circular saw. Oh, that's see, awesome. That was my argument against Willie Beeman, too, is that he's such a shitty teammate that the star linebacker cuts his car in half. Nobody's cutting back to his Jeep in half, that's for sure. Yeah, no. but when we when we leave you know, Willie, <laughs> he's like he's learned. You know, he's he's yeah. he's grown. We like we know he has a future ahead of him. Bacula's thirty four. Like they didn't build Tom Brady's in nineteen ninety one. Yeah. So my true, point there, T Dubs, is that LT knew that uh, Steam and Willie Beeman had comprehensive coverage on that Hummer. The guys know that Bacula. He's only got collision on that Jeep. They're not going to screw him over. I don't think he is. Steeman was out for him. Steeman was third string three weeks before that happened. He didn't have comprehensive coverage on anything. True. Did you see the apartment he lived in? So, Chumpsil, you are down two to one to Bling Blake, number four. And here we bring in Quantum Leap because in season two of Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula's Dr. Samuel Beckett leaps into the body of a high school football player who must stop his friend from throwing the championship game. Name that episode. Is it A, fourth and goal? Is it B, 10 seconds and goal to go? Is it C, all Americans? Or is it D, the agony of defeat? Farts and tarts. I've got to go with D, the agony of defeat. Incorrect. It is not the agony of defeat. That seems too poetic. Your remaining choices are A, fourth and goal, B, 10 seconds and goal to go, or C, all Americans? I'm going to shoot. Okay. This is this is probably wrong, but I wanted to be right just, be, I'm, just because of how bad episode names were back then. So I'm going to go with 10 seconds to go and goal, or how was that? <laughs> 10 <laughs> seconds and goal to go. Incorrect. It was all Americans. All oh, Americans. Wow. Now, See, bonus I- point. Are you ready? This episode correctly predicted the participants of Super Bowl 30, which Al is watching when he's not listening to Sam. And Sam's like, where were you? And he's like, I was watching the Super Bowl. Who played in the Super Bowl? By the way, they also had the score right uh, at, at the time, which is weird. Uh, so they really was, could time travel is basically who, what you're yeah. telling me. Who was playing in that Super Bowl? Super Bowl 30. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, 95. Bills, Cowboys. Incorrect. 
not Bills Cowboys, but it is the Cowboys and somebody. Cowboys and the Chiefs? The Steelers. The Steelers. Steelers. Yin that was Joe, the Joe Montana Chiefs years. Yeah. That would so, have been would, would that have been uh Cordell Stewart? It was Neil O'Donnell. Neil, Neil O'Donnell, O'Donnell went to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the end of the Bills uh dynasty. What have I done with my life? Yeah. All right, so you're still up two to one, Bling Blake, and here's number five. Sargi Fumbelina Wilkinson is played by Marcus Giamatti, the older brother of Paul Giamatti. I'm the rhino! (laughs) Although he's not as prolific an actor as his brother, Marcus does have nearly 70 acting credits to his resume, including this not-so-funny reunion with Rob Schneider. Is it A, the hot chick? It's B, Jessica. Is it B, the chosen one? Is it C, American Virgin? Or is it D, the bench warmers? I'm going to take a stab in the dark and slum it here. Uh, welcome to footballs. Okay. I'm going with D, the bench warmers. It is not the bench warmers. Damn. Also starring the great Nick Swartzen. And uh, I believe, uh, isn't it the guy from... John Heater, yeah. John Heater, yeah. Napoleon Dynamite himself, yeah. Pride of Idaho, the Gem State coming through, baby. Well, hey, I'm just saying too. Now that you mention it, we kind of shortchanged Uncle Rico when it came to fictional quarterbacks. Oh shit, yeah, because he could throw a ball clear over the mountains. Mm-hmm. Coach should have put him in fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So nice. your remaining choice is Bling Blake. A, the hot chick. B, the chosen one. See American Virgin, not that it matters because you've already won the blood-encrusted football signed by Paul Blake. Yeah, I'm just going to go with the – oh, do I uh, – sh- shut down their necks. Uh, okay. Got to get it in there one last time. <laughs> it is hot not chick. the hot chick. It was this movie called The Chosen One in which – The Chosen One. I was going to guess that. I don't know what it is. A religious savior. <laughs> a schlubby Rob Schneider becomes Jesus. Rob Schneider is the savior of mankind. On the third day, say, Rob I, Schneider rose again. <laughs> I, I like slick black uh, or slick back. Uh, uh, he looked like Max Headroom in that suit with the shoulder pads. He looked good in this movie. He was he, annoying. It's consistently Rob Schneider, but this was Rob Schneider. He looked taller. At, uh, he was sitting finest. the entire time. Yeah, making cast basically. I mean, yeah. those, that copies. was the only time he was funny. Was when yeah. he did that bit twice in this movie. Oh, Rob yeah. Schneider. He's a one-trick pony. Is he the first voice we hear in the film? He no. narrates, yeah, right? Doesn't he? No, uh, he or is it Chris he, Berman? He comes in. It's Chris Berman, I think, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we get our exposition dump from Chris Berman and Hector Elizondo. And I don't know how you think you can start a movie better than that. Yeah, Whoop. that's true. The Schwami. All right, we're on to recommendations, so... What do you guys have on tap this week? We'll start with Bling Blake. He sort of foreshadowed it, but the official wreck. Yeah, my recommendation this week uh, is has to do with Jason Bateman, who does make a brief appearance in this movie, as forgettable as Chumpzilla may find that to be. Uh, but I'm recommending his podcast with Sean Hayes and Will Arnett called Smartless. It's a ton of fun. Um, they basically, uh, one of them brings on a surprised celebrity guest every week and then they just get to interview him and talk to him and hang out. Um, the George Clooney episode is one of my favorite. It tells a great story about George Clooney and Richard kind, and I won't spoil it, but, um, if you love those guys as much as I do, 
uh, you really enjoy that podcast. And then, of course, my second recommendation, uh, based on how much I love this movie, is that I love its reboot uh, starring Keanu Reeves, which is The Replacements. We talked about it a lot on this podcast already tonight. But it's funny. Uh, it's a good time. I probably like it more than I should because I'm a I'm a Keanu apologist or just a Keanu fan clubber. Um, but The Replacements is a ton of fun. Uh, if nothing else for when they do, uh, I think it's electric slide in the uh, the jail cell at one point in the movie. So fantastic movie. Just just absolutely love it. They're called the uh, uh, the Keanu fan club is officially the Utah. Give me twos. That's uh, that's us. <laughs> I'm going to go get my Ohio State jersey this year. Uh, my custom Ohio State Johnny Utah jersey. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I debated between Utah and Falco. I may go Falco. I may still go number nine. We'll see. Was, was he entered in the Cotton Bowl? What bowl game? I always, I always remember being the Orange Bowl. Orange. Rose Bowl. Oh, it was Rose Bowl. You're right. Bowl. Come on. Okay. Come on, guys. Yeah. Big 10, Pac-10, Pac-12. Rose Swayze bowl. says it right there on the beach. Yeah. yeah. But I just want to point out that Mary McCheese is also more than likely the president of the Johnny Gimme Twos fan club. The Johnny Gimme Twos, yeah. Yeah, he likes that. Anytime game. you guys want to do a, a Keanu flop on here, uh, I'm I'm ready to come out. Oh, here let's and, go and, and fight for yeah. it. Let's ride the wave. I think McCheese was kicked out of the Zaniac, so he's got to find a new fan club. <laughs> 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 okay, Chumzilla, what's your recommendation? All right, uh, so my recommendation this week is a slightly obscure football-related media property. It's in the same vein as like the Misfit football team movie, but instead of being a comedy, it's got a more dramatic leaning. Uh, it is the ESPN original entertainment, whatever they call that thing. Uh, their scripted uh, drama show called Playmakers. I think it only ran for one season before the NFL basically told them to like, nah, dog, you got to cut this out. Like, this is not good for the brand because it was a little too real. It was It was more in the vein of any given Sunday or the program. Not so much, uh, you know, feel good movie like Necessary Roughness, but man, that show was great. And I guarantee you, you probably can't stream it anywhere right now. So I'm not saying you should steal it, but if you want to see it, you'll probably have to do something illegal. But that show was great, and yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, does where does that exist anymore? It's I don't. If, if people even can't remember, you do it on ESPN Plus? Probably not, because I think the NFL. I mean, literally, the NFL is just like. Kill they it. they did tell them that uh, you will not get our highlights if you don't take that off the air, as I believe but it was. was wow. the, uh... Yeah, and it was basically a soap opera for dudes, but it was a really good show. And, yeah, uh, I Omar really Gooding it. from uh, uh, What Wild and Crazy Kids was on it. I mean, you had the aging quarterback trying to hang in there. You had the aging running back trying to hang in there. The, you had the who ended up with a domestic dispute with his wife. You had the young running back with a severe drug problem. You had the closeted tight end. There was all sorts of. It was just. It, it was a very complex show. It had a lot of like you know relatively serious like dramatic plot lines running through it. But yeah, it was a soap opera for dudes. But I it really was liked yeah it. it was it was the program essentially. There was the steroid stuff. There was yeah drugs and blah blah. And yeah. had a great great opening theme song too. The, the theme song was great. You're yeah, right. I, I am the incredible man. I do things that only incredible can. can. Yeah. Uh, the program. So don't steal it. Just 
look it up and read about it. Well, it was cool. you know, if the NFL truly killed it, just steal it, steal it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to find it. Just take it. So it's Native American Heritage Month. So I have a lot of great Native American uh, centric cinema to recommend coming up because I, I have a few movies I'm going to be watching. I started one. It's called Indian Horse. It's on Netflix. It's very good. But uh, I can't. I guess I can kind of I can officially recommend. I haven't finished it yet, but it is very good, and it's about a young Ojibwe child. And back when in Canada, the the law was that uh, they would take Native American children from their families and send them to residential schools to. Uh, oh, good lord! Uh, you know, yeah, horrific, folks. I, I've uh, yes. I've listened to some podcasts about the it's, residential uh, schools in Canada. Horrible, it's bad stuff. It, you know, uh, America did very similar things, but uh, they're mm. also this is topical because yes. not that long ago they found like 600 bodies buried at a residential school somewhere in Canada. Yes, yeah, they were abusing Canada. Killing drug into the, yeah, strangely enough, to your point there, T Dubs. I think what makes this real unique is that Canada kind of carried us a little further into what we would consider present time than maybe the U.S. did, mostly because the U.S. did all their horrible stuff and got it over with pretty quickly. Yeah, but yeah, we just killed them a lot faster. Uh-huh. Yeah, but Canada kind of drug it out, which kind of you know it really shocks you when you realize, hey, that wasn't that long ago. This is no, yeah, up. they they were doing it well into the eighties, the nineteen eighties. Yeah. So the residential yeah. schooling where they would literally just take kids from their families, totally separate them. And because the white government thought they knew better, yes, they needed to hom- homogenize them. Yeah, yeah, make them religious all like schools. Us. And uh, so, but in any event, this kid, he he, his family, he loses his family, and he goes to the school, and he finds hockey, and he becomes this great hockey player. And then it's sort of him dealing also with just the racial, you know, the the racism of being this this native american athlete who's really gifted it's a sport but now living in a totally different world than his own it's a good movie and it's free on netflix so that's the first What's one the i watched but it's called uh it's called indian horse it's free on netflix indian um indian horse and it it gives you a very uh sobering picture of what those residential schools were like because they were very abusive they did not get treated well these yeah. these children were abused simply for speaking their native languages or acting in a manner that reflected their native uh you know heritage or customs or it's all crazy stuff but it's a good movie and a more fun recommendation would be i watched it on the way back from buffalo it's called emily the criminal and it's starring uh aubrey plaza essentially as a young uh you know millennial trying to make her way through life and you know it's tough because she's mired in college debt and she's got a shit job and she's got a felony on her record and she winds up basically turning to a life of crime because it's a lot more lucrative and it's super well acted she's terrific in it um you know i'm sure you've seen parks and rec and she's great on that but she really flexes her acting muscles so emily the criminal i would highly recommend as well and that you have to rent still but uh, Indian Horse Free Netflix. So definitely check oh, right. that out. Right on. Now, uh, remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hobson B.O. Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at Writer TLK. Captain Cash, who skipped this movie because he hates sports, can be found at C A P T C A S H on most social media. Chumpsilla can be found at Chumpsilla 8. Mayor McCheese, who might not be around for most of this month uh, due to, you know, fighting with uh the mcdonald's mascot with a moon head 
uh, can be found. What was that guy's name? I don't know, but I don't uh, know why you picked uh, him. Uh, something, something Ma- late Ma- night or something. Mac the knife. Mac the knight. Uh, McKnight right. was it? <laughs> something. He, he can was, be yeah, found like, uh, at Adrian. just remember <laughs> even, even McDonald's. Yeah. Just remember, Sleeping. even grimace can be a butt plug if you're brave enough. Yeah. And uh, Bling Blake, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bling underscore Blake. Um, come be friends with me. Uh, uh, like Chumzilla used to always uh, plug himself. Come on, come be my friend. Come, let's let's have some mutuals. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, Bling. I need somebody else to like my tweets other than you and T-Dubs. Like, it's getting lonely here, folks. Come I'm on. surprised you're not getting more love uh, trolling right-wing assholes on Twitter. It's like, I think you'd be popular by now. I'm Elon trying. Musk must be hiding your stuff. <laughs> I'm shadow ban. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pay for Twitter blue. That's what I'm gonna do. Um, and also remember, eight dollars. <laughs> What a joke. You can check out Wabam Entertainment at wabamentertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe. In the end, listeners, remember one thing. We are the law. No, <laughs> it's a totally different movie. Wait, but Rob Schneider is in that one. Yeah, no, wait. True. It's demolition. I am the law. No, oh, wait, uh, is that still Rob Schneider's in that. Yeah, yes. And Rob yeah, Schneider is yeah. in this and and in that and does it to his face on the on the ship to the nether regions or whatever. that's right yeah oh wow just remember eternal vigilance is the price of integrity which is a great line from dean elias i will see you next week for our third installment of hops and heartthrob flops with the flop that inexplicably just got a straight to streaming sequel on netflix r.i.p.d yes there's a sequel it oh, just God. came out on netflix starring uh the guy from Burn Notice. Oh no! Yeah. Wait, isn't that isn't isn't that? Uh, wait. Uh, wait. Like as who? What I I don't know. He's got a cowboy hat. So yes, Bruce. Wait, he the Jeff Bridges character? I assume he's Jeff Bridges. <laughs> wait, Bruce Campbell's in that. Next up is Hitch Two, where he's just <laughs> teaching men how to ditch women on blind dates. It's an evil Hitch. <laughs> Man, oh. bitch. That's what it's called. Wait, is that was he in silk stockings? Oh. What's going on? Oh, jeez. Okay, and we're out. <laughs>